0: people might see us, like let's take me for example, okay, people might see, it, see me as the, the video guy, but maybe, you know, I'm a lot more than that. Maybe I'm multifaceted. Maybe, you know, uh, you know I'm a great singer or I'm a, an amazing chef, but so how do you, what advice can you give to people who want to transition from what people think you are or see you as to what you believe you are in your
1: heart? Well, thank you. Uh, first and foremost, you got to get an opportunity to spread your wings, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, and when that happens, and sometimes it's it's a small window, sometimes it's a big window. You get opportunity after opportunity. For those, consider yourself lucky. I had a, a very small window. Now, at seventeen, uh, my true freshman year, I was seventeen up until October. I have to admit, I thought I had it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't, right? Right. Uh, so I was very naive, and I think in some respects that served me very well, because I didn't realize the odds and, and how small the window is. It's easy for me to say now what was at stake. I mean, we were just sitting back, you know, <laughs> chopping it up, reminiscing about
0: the good old thing. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Very the creators of the famous stand-up Veridesk and other office furniture. If you're like me, you're suddenly working from home. My best productivity tip is to set up a dedicated workspace. My comfy couch or the kitchen table so close to the refrigerator and snacks wasn't really working for me. So I recently set up a fully loaded home office setup using office furniture pieces from Barry, and now I've got a whole mission control in a separate room for my kids and the dogs ready to roll. Vary has everything you need to transform your home workspace from desks, ergonomic chairs, and converters that transform any table in your home into a standing desk. Right now, you can save 10% off Vary Home Office products with the code WFH2020. That's WFH2020. See the full collection and save at Vary.com. That's V A R I.com and use the code WFH2020 and check out to save 10%. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Hi, this is Brett Favre, former NFL quarterback of 20 years, and you're watching Behind the Brand with Brian Elliott.
0: I have to say, uh, I'm a little bit conflicted. I have to be honest that I'm a 49ers fan. And so for a long time, I was rooting against you. But um, at the same time, I can tell you, uh, I feel like I really respected your gameplay, and uh, you're the type of football player that I like to watch play the game. Uh, I'm also a player, uh, and actually, we wore the same number. So I wore the number four for a long time, playing varsity football, uh, playing second string DB, <laughs> uh, second string receiver, first first string. Kicker, I was, uh, I was a was much better kicker than I was receiver, but uh, no, I love the game, love watching you play. Well, thank you. I hated when you when you beat us. That was.
1: We had some great games against the Forty Niners. Uh, yeah, those are good times. I, I had a, and still have a tremendous amount of respect for that organization and the players that have played there. I mean, there has been some tremendous players to come out of San Francisco. And you got one of my right now. Presently, the backup quarterback, Nick Mullins, is uh, is a Southern Miss guy. Great kid. He's I almost look at him as like a son. Uh, it was so good to see him get in two years ago and play so well.
0: And you uh, you you got into the Hall of Fame two thousand
1: sixteen. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, right around. it wasn't too far after like the. Joe Montana's and the Jerry Rice's and that whole, you know, graduating class, you guys sort of went in at similar times.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, my class, Eddie was, uh we're forever connected because we went in the same class. Such a, such a great guy and so deserving. Uh, I was honored to be in there with him.
0: That's awesome. Well, I look forward to talking about football and business and all these lessons you learned along the way. And uh, so I typically ask my guests, how would you get this job? In other words, yeah. uh, let's go back in the chronology. Let's go back to the time when little Brett was, was dreaming about football, You know, playing in the streets or playing mm-hmm. on the grass. What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Two things, and that was it. There was no third option, either a pro football player or a major league baseball player. Mm-hmm. And I played both. My dad coached both. Um, I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister, and it, it, we were seasonal. Uh, and I, what I mean by that was we had, we always had a ball in our hand and just depended on what time of year it was. Uh, I personally uh, was just really baseball and football. My older brother played all three. Uh, I, I was, when when football season was over, I transitioned right into baseball, mm-hmm. and in, in fact, if if you would have asked me after my high school graduation, which did I think I had a better chance of playing professionally, I would have said baseball. Um, but you know, I, I go to Southern Miss, and as uh, a true freshman, I end up starting and uh, chose to not play baseball. Uh, in college just so I could focus on on football. But, you know, it, it was – we sort of gravitate – and there's always exceptions, but we gravitate to what our parents do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what we know, whether we like it or not. You know, farmers, mechanics, football yep. coaches, you know, business, whatever. And as far back as I can remember, I, I, I can remember being the, the ball boy – for uh, my dad's football team, running out balls, running out water, and then baseball, I is again as far back as I can remember running out, and getting a bat at home plate, and just loving everything about it. Yeah, but the
0: you weren't uh, slotted as a quarterback right out of the gate, right? You played like some some defense. You played like yeah, some you know that was a, DB, yeah.
1: That that was a time where, especially high school, guys played both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost almost unheard of in high school nowadays, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I signed at Southern Miss, um, which was the only school to offer me. I signed as a quarterback slash defensive back, and I got enough reps on offense during uh, the first week or two really i was kind of a scout team quarterback and yeah really wasn't no scripted plays it was like all right, roll around make something happen throw it to this guy
0: yeah
1: and that was that was how i played so i i could relate to that and i just yeah. made plays and i knew i knew i could have played dB but i wouldn't have been near as good and and not for very long uh, so uh my my only hope in football was to play quarterback were you fast,
0: uh, faster than they let you run on the Packers? Because I, I don't remember you as a running quarterback. I remember you being nimble and agile, being, you know. In college, I
1: was a, uh, a, probably a better runner than I was a passer. Uh, I could throw the, the lights out of it, mm-hmm. but we didn't throw. I started all four years. I threw 52 touchdowns, total in four years. That tells you how many times we threw. But we ran the option. And so, yeah. it was not uncommon for me to have 50 to 80 yards in the game rushing. Um, and, you know, passing-wise, we we did very little drop back. It was sprint outs and bootlegs and things like that, which I really felt comfortable uh, doing that. But um, I didn't run as much in, in the pros. I moved around a lot in the pocket. I. I had a major injury uh, my last college football game, which was the East-West Shrine game. Uh, then was played in, in Stanford, out in pa- Palo Alto. And uh, I jammed a hip socket and had a vascular necrosis, which is ultimately what Bo Jackson had hip replacement surgery for. Right, And was, I, I lost mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of mobility and, and speed after that. Did your
0: dad want you to play quarterback, or did he have did he see you like in a different spot?
1: No, I think he wanted me. To, uh, all three of his sons play quarterback. And you know, it's we we were a real small school. We ran the wishbone, uh, not uncommon in that era. Uh, and my senior year, we transitioned over to the wing team, just another version of running options and things like that. Uh, we probably had thirty five players. You know, not a, not a big. A group of guys and you know at that age and, and even younger usually your best player is the pitcher and shortstop or the quarterback mm-hmm. and uh and that that's the case for for me and my two brothers
0: I mean you had a little bit of inside help you had your dad there as the coach um but then you know when you got to college you didn't have that and how did you make that transition? Was it difficult trying to convince people? And I'm thinking about this as a metaphor, you know, like, uh, you know, people might see us, like, let's take me for example, okay. People might see, it, see me as the, the video guy, but maybe, you know, I'm a lot more than that. Maybe I'm multifaceted. Maybe, you know, uh, you know, I'm a great singer or I'm a, an amazing chef. But so, how do you, what advice can you give to people who want to transition from what people think you are or see you as to what you believe you are in your heart?
1: Well, I think uh, first and foremost, you got to get an opportunity to spread your wings, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, and when that happens, and sometimes it's, it's a small window, sometimes it's a big window, you get opportunity after opportunity. For those, consider yourself lucky. I had a a very small window. Now, at 17, uh, my true freshman year, I was 17 up until October. I have to admit, I thought I had it all figured out. (laughs) Who doesn't, right? Right. Uh, So, I was very naive, and I think in some respects that served me very well because I didn't realize the odds and, and how small the window is. It's easy for me to say now what was at stake and how quickly I could have squandered it. But, yeah. at, at, you know, at that time, I just said to myself, if they'll just give me a chance, if they'll just give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And it was a chance that I didn't really see. Uh, I didn't envision the, the chance coming as a scout team quarterback. I thought I would get reps as, in the first and second units. Yeah. Uh, but I was lowest on the totem pole. And yeah. so I had... I had to strike while the iron was hot, and so when I got a chance to to uh, to play quarterback, I just went went crazy and uh, threw it seventy five yards, eighty yards, yeah. and not that you ever do that in a game, but I, everybody was like, "Wow, yeah, you know, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a a blazer, you know, a sprinter. We can yeah. make him, we can make him a receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little shock um, and awe
0: doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt.
1: And that's that's really so you know. To answer your question, I think uh, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And, and again, you can I spent a lot less time complaining or thinking about why don't I get this? Why don't I get that? Uh, and, and spent more time thinking. All right, tomorrow's gonna be the day. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. But and 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 my pro debut was much the same. I, you know, I, I don't play in Atlanta. I go to Green Bay. I'm, I'm a backup. Um, you know, there was a lot of hype, but hype was just just that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know when I was going to get my chance. And Don Mikowski gets hurt, and yeah. they go, hey. I mean, I could have easily gone in there and just played awful. And that, and we're, we're not having this conversation right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to go back and just, you know, for the audience who doesn't know term scout team you know think of the movie rudy and you know rudy was a scout team player i was a scout team player i played scout offense and scout defense because my you know i was i'm only about five nine uh on a good day and back then i was probably you know like a, a buck 35 um but i was you know i had a lot of grit i was a lot like rudy actually i could relate with that character because uh that was me to a t but you're running the scout offense, you're getting beat up. If you're the if you're the uh, scout team DB, you're tackling the best running backs and covering the best receivers. Yeah. If you're the scout offense, you're getting killed yeah. by the linebacker, and you just get, I mean, I had all these stick marks on my helmet, if you know what that is, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man, we had these yellow helmets, and the scout team had blue, and I had blue, just my whole helmet was blue. It was bloody, and anyway, it's uh, it's not a glamorous job no absolutely not
1: Not
0: but I love that lesson um I love that lesson of being optimistic and biding your time waiting for the opportunity because I think in my experience what gets a lot of people stuck is they are waiting to get picked you know the wait waiting for the coach to call their number which and sometimes you got to do but at the same time you you got to be ready when your number is called right like you threw a 75 yard pass that's you don't do that every day. Not everyone could do that. Yeah. And so when you were called upon, you were ready, and that's that's, that's that window you're talking about—that very small yeah. opportunity.
1: Yeah. Who knows if I would have had another opportunity? Uh, maybe knows, not. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I also hear what you're saying is part of the secret to your success is luck, but I maybe would push back to say, you know, that old saying. Luck is where you know preparation
1: opportunity meets. Absolutely, I agree. I and agree. Uh, being ready when it when when it's your time. Yeah. Not knowing when your time is. Well,
0: and for quarterbacks too, that's sort of the the age old opportunity. I think you know Brady had the same thing happen. You know, Absolutely. His, his starter went down. He stepped in, and he was ready. And I think about you know all these other quarterbacks. Uh, we had Russell Wilson on the show. Russell's great another baseball player, turned football player. Uh, yeah, great lesson. So, you get, uh, you get to the Green Bay Packers, you get your start, you have a good, uh, showing, you stay in there, uh, are you making much money at the time?
1: Compared to making no money? Yes. (laughs) You know, uh, when I left college, uh, I had $120 in my checking account, and I probably had that throughout all four years. I was, to say, uh, tight-wide is an understatement. <laughs> so, my first signing bonus in Atlanta was uh, $450,000. And when I say that today, that's, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. Now, guys get, you know, Boo coogles of money times a hundred compared yeah. to that now. How but, do you feel about that, by the way? It is what it is. You know, when, when I got my f- first really big contract, I'm sure some of the old timers were like, you know, not grinning and, and you know, yeah. It, it, you know, pulling for me, probably like we, we paved the way for you guys and yeah. we got nothing. We had to have separate jobs yeah. So, uh, by the way, I, we have
0: we have some football royalty in our family. So, my wife's great uncle is Johnny Unitas.
1: Yeah, he probably made chicken feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I was always very respectful of the. Game. I mean, I, 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 I guess the best way to put it is presently. If I were to go ask a sixteen-year-old football player, you know, a good football player at that. You you would think he would know who Steve Young is. I bet he'd have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Because
1: and, and and when I, I coached high school football several years ago here, yeah. in the local high school, and I would ask, I would tell stories about different players, and I could tell by the look on their face. They had no clue who I was talking about. I was like, you never heard of John Randall? And they're like, "No, what did he play?" I'm like, "My gosh, yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame." Roger Staubach. Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't even go to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, I was a, I I, I knew every player that played the game, presently, or before, and I had a tremendous amount of respect, and still do for those guys. And uh, I get it, you know. Well, what I made in my peak will easily be surpassed. 10, 15 years, twenty years down the road, and, yeah. and so on and so forth.
0: Let's stay on that subject of you know being a student of your craft. So, you know, I I have a video production company. Um, I've watched a lot of films. I watch films to study. Of course, I enjoy them, but I also watch them to study. And it's funny because I'll sit down with my family and and uh, I'll call out you know the structure of the movie by the way in every movie there's this moment that's called all is lost and if you've read any of joseph campbell's work you know um talking about journeys and and talking about uh the the model that that most stories follow you know there's this hero there's some sort of conflict he's got to resolve it you know um go out on some quest and there's this moment in every movie where it seems like all is lost and literally in every movie and every story and every tv show i can point it out and i sort of ruin it for everyone but um i believe in being a student of my craft because it makes me better so is that one of the keys to your success is to absolutely i mean i'm sure you studied hours and hours of film
1: absolutely um i can't tell you you know you talk about being a 49ers fan i can't tell you how much film i watched when i was traded to green bay um Right away, I knew that Mike Holmgren was the head coach and that mm-hmm. he came from San Francisco and that the offense was going to be either a carbon copy or a version of the West Coast offense. Yeah. And
0: Were you excited about that?
1: A- absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know, how could you not be? Because yeah. at the time, Joe Montana and the West Coast offense was dominating the NFL. Yeah. So here we have a chance to, to put it at play. So I watched so much film of Joe and Steve, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was uh, it was kind of frightening because they did it so well, and uh, I didn't know if I could be as polished. And I never was, to be honest with you. I, I, I kind of did it my own way, and uh, Mike Holmgren eventually kind of called plays that really catered more to my style, not so much Joe or Steve's. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, uh, the result was pretty much the same. But yeah, I studied so much film of those guys. Joe Montana, I never saw a bad play. It was it was incredible.
0: Yeah, he he was a gentleman football player. You know, very yeah. gentlemanly. Where... Yeah, almost. I mean, if
1: you're a defensive guy, it's like I don't know if I want to hit Joe. <laughs>
0: yeah, where your style was more like just reckless,
1: rock and roll. I mean,
0: sort of, I kind of see like yeah, as the cowboy football player. You're just out there. You know, you get punched in the mouth. You get back up. You're very gritty, just uh, relentless. Yeah, I think that old school.
1: Yeah, I think that. that, In fact, I know that came from my upbringing. My dad was my high school football coach, and you would think that he would showcase his son and throw it and just, I I want everybody to come watch my son Mm -hmm. play because we're going to light it up. But that wasn't the case, and. I was doing tackling drills just like the other guys I was doing monkey rolls just like the other guys yeah no I was special leading. treatment no and and, and uh, you know there wasn't like a, a a defining moment where we were riding home from practice together in a truck and my dad said look I'm teaching you the leadership qualities that's going to carry you on there, there, it, there never was that there was never any any moment where he like says all right Here's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It was just balls to the wall. You know, you, you got to tackle better. You got to block better. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't. All right, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to throw in the fourth quarter because such and such is coming to the game. And so, you know, and I, I think from a toughness standpoint, it's it's real simple. And I can give you several examples, but one just that. that uh, says it all. There were times where, I, in fact, like, what, what, ninth or tenth grade year, I get hit and get the, the wind knocked out of me. Well, you think you're dying. Oh, yeah. You, you know, I mean, you my gosh, yeah, I can't breathe. And yeah. Everybody's waving, come over. <laughs> my dad wouldn't come out there. Uh, he's like, let him let. Mm-hmm. And, and then one particular time in baseball, I slid in the second and I kind of jammed my ankle. And I kind of lay there. And he yells from the dugout, get your ass up. Get on the field. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm sure parents are like, oh, my God. But that – and I, and honestly, I probably was looking for a little sympathy. Yeah. You know, and, and I never found it. So fast forward to my pro days, uh, I wasn't coming out. You know, I just just wasn't doing it. I, I knew my team counted on me. I, I knew my, my job was cured because the guy in front of me got hurt, not a major injury. He probably thought he'd be right back in the game, either later that game or the next week, and he never saw the field again.
0: Yeah. So so what did football teach you? We sort of danced around all these lessons, but can you crystallize some of these things that you learned that would serve you
1: well in other well, areas think, of your life? I think uh, as, as fun and as gratifying as football was, there is a certain level of, of pain, either physical or mental. You don't win all your games. Well, learning to accept the loss is is hard to do. What I mean, type I,
0: of... People watching or listening may not know the extent of times that you had concussions. I mean, you and Steve Young both were these victims of, uh, you know, before the rules were changed, you got rocked. Yeah. Several times, and yeah. it's serious. It's a serious injury. Yeah, well, then
1: no one thought it was. It was just your bell got rung. You go back in the game 10, 15 minutes later yeah. uh, after the fog had cleared. Uh, but we now know that that's, that's not the case. Uh, the fog never clears. But, uh, uh, yeah, mentally and physically, it takes its toll on you. Uh, and at times, maybe mentally, it's it, you know, if you go th- through a three- or four-game stretch where you uh, – either lose or pull one out at the last second is is uh, as emotional of a high as that is, it's also emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. And uh, learning to deal with adversity, uh, which, which goes hand in hand with winning and losing. You know, learning to handle wins or success is just as hard as learning to handle the lows.
0: Uh let's talk about the lows for a second then I also want to talk about the highs cuz you did win a Super Bowl at Green Bay and uh it was the second win in since Super Bowl number 2 right like so you were probably Yeah so it was a long like, time hometown hometown hero and but I want to talk about the hard times so and this is I'm asking this in context cuz I know a lot of people uh you know they struggle with this how, you know they have a loss or they have you know they get their bell rung metaphorically you know and mm-hmm. uh, they have a bad day whatever it is a bad month a bad year what were some of your coping mechanisms um how did you get through that did you have a mental coach did you have a no psychologist Earth, did you, yeah, did you?
1: early in my career um uh, and, and people who follow my career are, are well aware of it um, The younger generation probably isn't. But uh, we won the Super Bowl in 96, and that was my fifth year. Uh, I I think it was my fifth year. Not bad. Not bad. But at the time, I was a a drinker, and I was also uh, – I I wouldn't have admitted it at the time because I I had won three MVPs while in the the middle of this addictive – life that I was living, I'd gotten addicted to Vicodin. Yeah. yeah. Painkillers, pain basically. Yeah. Yeah. Harmlessly, I got addicted, but regardless, I took a couple after a game, liked the feeling. The next time I got hurt, didn't really warrant a pain pill, but I thought, you know, I'm going to take some more. And before I knew it, I was taking 15 Vicodin ES at one time. Wow. I didn't, I didn't drink every day, but when I drank... Again, at the time, I would have said, I don't have a drinking problem. I don't drink every day. You know, stupid statement. It, it's what I did when I drank. I never drank one beer at one home. I, I would drink to, to uh, I couldn't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so early on, I coped through alcohol, pain pills, and, you know, I was uh, – Deceived, I guess, by the results. I thought I'd won three MVPs, 95, 6, and 7. And that was right in the height of my pain pill addiction. I was taking 15 ES every night. And eventually it led to two seizures, one during the season, one right after the season uh, in the hospital after routine ankle surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that one really kind of opened up, the you know, the, the door for there's a problem. What's yeah, a, that was a
0: wake-up call, right? Yeah,
1: and so I, I went, I was in rehab three different times, never took a pain pill after the third time, and quit drinking after uh, that in 98, and haven't taken either since. But that's how I coped early. Uh, as I got older, my wife was... was it was great to lean on and just listen to, you know, the frustrations. And, and and I'll say this, Mike Holmgren, before he left to go to Seattle, we had, a, we had many good conversations, but one in particular. And he said, you're going to have a long career. And at the time, I was up to year six. <laughs> and he said, you're going to have a long career. He said, but I just want to forewarn you of, of something, that you're – you're going to face as you get up in years he said you're going to look at things plays games seasons much like a coach will as you get you know as you gravitate into 10 15 maybe even more years and i you know i thought kind of under my breath i rolled my eyes like you know like what does that mean
0: yeah what does that mean look at it like a coach like
1: well, he, then he said, I'll give you an example. He said, you can go 15-1. And, and all you think about after that season is the one loss, not the 15 wins. Mm, I see. The 15 wins are not enough. I see. And say you win the Super Bowl, great feeling. By the time you wake up the next morning, all you can think about is we have to win another one. And <laughs> – or you worry about things that you can't control. And yeah, that one was really the one that kind of hit me in the face. All of his examples I've found to be true. Uh, you know, after a game, a good game, maybe I had great statistics. I, 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 I thought and dwelled on what I could have done better rather than saying, you know, I'm going to accept this as it is. I played well. I did what I could do, and so be it. That – that was the easy way out. I couldn't do that. And uh, I worried a lot in the latter part of my career about what other guys were doing or not doing. Would they be ready for the game? Would they study? Would they prepare? And, and your teammates, your teammates. About. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- things, again, I could, I could not control. the only thing I could control was what I did, and that was hard to do in itself, better yet worrying about what everyone else did. And, and yeah. so he was absolutely right.
0: That's great advice. Uh, let me just unpack that a little bit. You know, I, I, probably like the rest of the world, while well, we've been on lockdown here, I watched that Michael Jordan documentary, and I was—I had no idea. I knew he was a competitor. Did you watch that, Doc?
1: I, I, I watched it maybe an episode. Yeah. And I liked it.
0: Yeah, well, the thing that struck me is kind of what you just said, which is Michael got to a point where he wanted to win so
1: badly that he became... Anything less was even a win, but he don't play well. Yeah. It's never enough.
0: Right, And but what struck me is kind of what you just said. He he did take it upon himself to be the taskmaster, uh, and he didn't care if people hated him or not. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I'm not someone who could do that. I like people to like me. It's hard, you know, tough love is one thing, but... Uh, in that doc, the one thing that came through is that that Michael was a jerk. Yeah. In, or, in order to be a champion, and uh, I can think of other business people like that, people like Steve Jobs, who have a really bad reputation just for being an a-hole. Um, yet he was at the top of the game. So, so I'm not sure how I feel about. Well, I am sure how I feel about that personally. I don't think I could compromise. You know, my my values um to insult or to, you know, whip my teammates into shape. I, I don't think I have it in me to do that. Um it's a tough thing to do, and you're right, just managing your own shiz, you know, is, is hard enough. Yeah. Uh, let alone trying to worry about all these other players and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Right. Let's talk about success. How did you what advice do you have about dealing with success? Being a winner, because you you played, what, 16 seasons with Green Bay and 20 seasons all in, right? Yeah. That's remarkable. I mean, and you got rocked, too. This is not the uh, 2019 NFL season where there's like. Yeah,
1: where if you blow on the quarterback, you get a penalty. (laughs) No, this is like you got body
0: slammed and you got, I mean. And people were coming after you, too. You had like a bounty on your head, too, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I I think the more success I had, the more driven I became. Mm -hmm. I mean, sort of what you're talking about with Michael Jordan. Um, I think the, the the one thing that that all successful people have is obviously a drive, but maybe maybe even overdrive for the super the super successful. Yeah. Did it ever
0: get the best of you? Uh,
1: in 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 which way?
0: You know, like like anyone, complacent
1: or or uh, a big
0: uh, too big of an ego that got started getting in the way or. or
1: uh no, no. I I think uh, there was probably a time where I thought I was in, invincible. Uh. But I don't think, I, I, I think the, the best testament would be from teammates. And, and I've had some, some teammates come out and talk about how it was to play with me and how likable and fun. Yeah. Uh, even even in my super prime, I, I made sure that I included everyone in the success. Yeah. Only because I should have, because that's true. Not because I did it for people to like me. Um, you know, I, I probably walked around, you know, thinking I, I was hot stuff. But, but I, I don't know if many people would have picked up on that. I hope not.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you you already kind of laid the groundwork for that. Your dad didn't really let you be a prima donna football no. player, let alone prima, prima no. donna quarterback, you know. No. And no. Uh, so that maybe could be credited to him uh well you've now transitioned you're doing a lot of entrepreneurial things let's talk about what you're doing now and what lessons you learned or what has helped you from your past pro-athletic career now into being successful in business
1: yeah well i'll say this i'm not a business person and i don't i'm not out to start a business i'm not out to own a car dealership or you know it's just not my cup of tea. I'm not interested. My younger brother, on the other hand, was. We used to call him growing up. We called him Little Donald Trump. He had <laughs> visions. He had a Bitcoin collection. He had visions of owning businesses and, and making money and all this stuff. And it. I was totally the opposite. I was doing curls. I was throwing. I was doing push-ups. Yeah. And 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 I was fine out there. Yeah. Now, now my younger brother is a GM of a casino, and uh, you know he's doing what he likes to do. So that being said, uh, business stuff comes my way. Uh, I'm not smart enough to to decipher the good and the bad usually, so I just (laughs) stay away from it. Uh, But but what I kind of what I know, and then transition over to business. You know this. Well, pref Pro, I don't know if you can see it, but anyway, uh, the guy who developed that is a guy by the name of Jake Van Landingham. He's, at the time when I met him, about eight years ago, so I was a couple years out of retirement, uh, was, he was presently, at the time, he was the head of the neuroscience department, uh, way above my intellect. At Florida State University yeah and he had developed a product to treat concussions and yeah. so we actually I can relate had, to something, that something something I can to. relate to yeah yeah so a mutual friend of ours a doctor here in Hattiesburg a local guy who I've been friends with for a long time knew Jake and Jake had reached out to uh, David uh, and, and trying to get in touch with me because he wanted me to hear what he had and hopefully I could help him get it in the door of the NFL. Makes perfect sense. So he comes up, just sort of gives his pitch. Likeable guy, very, very likable, very sharp. And basically talked about the severity of, of concussions. And, and when I retired about 10 years ago, concussions were just starting. I don't think the movie had come out yet. Yeah. I think it came out about eight years ago. Yeah. And that kind of opened the door for like, damn, are you serious? Yeah. Concussions are that major.
0: Yeah, and a lot of players started speaking up too, saying, Hey, we're you know, we're dying younger, we got we got And problems. they were. Yeah. And we want health benefits and yeah, that was it became a big That's kinda of when
1: it so this was kind of about the same time as, as that wave of concussions are an issue. And, and Jake said, I, I believe I have a product that will treat concussions, but it requires FDA approval. Uh, I'd love the NFL to back it, you know, some, some way, shape, or form, which hasn't happened. Uh, but anyway, so one thing led to another. Uh, I like Jake. I thought it was a – if it worked, it would be a great
0: – Yeah. Natural fit.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean – for, for everyday life, not just football. Yeah. Playgrounds, keep them in school. Keep all all schools. Hockey. Elderly. Lacrosse. Yeah. I mean. Concussions are never going away. I mean, I think we know that. Yeah. So uh, one thing led to another. I, I kind of came on as just kind of, it, it he gave me some shares. You know, I, I did interviews, tried to help out getting people to invest. Yeah. It turns out I ended up investing myself, uh, and then I was all in, obviously, yeah. when you put your own money in. Yeah. And uh, here we are today, and the FDA approval, uh, it takes time, it takes money, yeah. it takes a lot of red tape to get through. Yeah. Uh, I was totally oblivious to what goes into getting a drug through FDA approval. And as I've learned, most get bought up if they get to a certain point by somebody else who has the money and the means. They kind of wait and let you kind of do the dirty work, and then they'll buy it. Right. We haven't gotten to that point, but uh, we're we're in the state right now. We're in the uh, human trial phase, okay. which is taking place in Australia. You know, my naive self, I said, "Why Australia, Jake?" And he goes, "It's much cheaper there to do it," uh, and the regulations and stuff were not as stringent mm-hmm. but anyway meanwhile by chance he he basically part of his medicine he was able to he did a study on dogs which you know i'm kind of you know out in left field when it comes to all this stuff but he did it with Allen. he he did this study on dogs, and he said, I want to see if I can get the my drug to the brain without requiring FDA approval. So the FDA approval is a nasal application. You okay. blow into a little application, and it shoots the medicine up in your nose. Hmm. Okay. Uh, this does not require FDA approval. Okay. So you rub it on the neck. Well, he does this dog study, and he— I, I asked him, I said, what do you think? What are the chances? He goes, it's a topical ain't chance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he said, there ain't a chance in hell it's going to work. I'm going to try it. <laughs> Someone had told him that aloe would be a, a great portal to administer this, this medicine. He aloe said, vera, you're
0: saying? A, alo, yeah, aloe vera. Yeah, so natural, plant-based, harmless. Works great on the skin. Yeah. It's
1: in, you know, sunburns things. So yeah. he said, I'll try it. It's not going to cost a lot of money. So he does this dog study. And he, he calls me five, six weeks later, and he says, you're not going to effing believe this. It worked. Hmm. He said, one molecule gets to the brain. Hmm. and Through uh,
0: absorption or something, through the skin? Yeah. It go, it, it,
1: you do it on the carotid uh, artery. Okay. And uh, it, within seven to eight minutes, it's in the brain. And it provides about seven hours of anti-inflammatory protection, which... Hmm. The big problem with concussions is that the brain swells. Right. The worse the concussion, the, the more swelling. The more swelling, the more problems. Right. Uh, so you, you know, it's not a cure, but it. And this is before a game, before you go out to recess, before a UFC fight, whatever.
0: Yeah, it's better than a couple of Advil or Vicodin.
1: <laughs> a- 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 absolutely, absolutely. And it's providing anti- maybe it, Maybe a major concussion is reduced to a mild. Is maybe it, a mild.
0: Uh, is it prescription or over-the-counter?
1: No, it'd be over-the-counter. And we're in, yeah. this is, uh, they, they got me this this tube out real quickly, but we're in manufacturing right now, and this is about to be online. Yeah. Uh, I think it runs $20, 20 or so. dollars. Yeah.
0: Congratulations. Uh, It sounds like, it almost sounds too good to be true.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, So, while this is, hopefully, you know, this gets out mainstream, maybe we get into retail stores after, the online, uh, and, you know, then we can get the FDA uh, part of it. We can get that either approved or get bought up or something, but, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's definitely a place for concussion treatment, and oh, yeah. rather than prevention, because that's what the NFL their cry is prevention. We're trying to re- reduce or eliminate concussions by better helmets mm-hmm. and better rules. But yeah. I, I don't know if the numbers have gone down. To be honest with you,
0: well, I'm I'm sure you're right, but it's all good, right? Like anything that is protecting the players. Protecting kids who want to play the sport because I think the numbers also. I don't have all the hard facts, but I think more and more kids dropping out of playing football every year because of head injuries. You know, parents. Yeah. You know, I'm, rightfully so. I, I have a 12 year old son who uh, who plays wide receiver. He's uh, plays flag football right now. He wants to play tackle, and we're saying, you know, save that brain just a little bit longer. We we think you you got talent. You got skills. Get better than me, faster than me, but like we want to save that brain, so let's wait till high school. It's definitely something that's on our mind.
1: Yeah, I got three grandsons 10, 6, and 3. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I, they have never mentioned to me playing football. And I will not at all initiate that conversation. If they choose to play, I'll back them. But I would be so f- fearful watching a game. and and seeing any of the three either make a tackle or get hit by some big guy you know and and people that surprises people but I I just know that especially that that age in particular the brain is definitely that you know the protection part of it is not not there yet
0: yeah yeah I mean quarterback is arguably the most difficult but also safest position don't you think the quarterback? For head
1: injuries. Yeah, uh,
0: but I... Because you're not sticking people like linebackers or, you know, cornerbacks, defensive backs.
1: Yeah, I would think the number of concussions, if, if there was a study done, and there may have been, uh, say, the right guard and the quarterback, who has the most concussions, obviously or I, the obvious choice would be the right guard. And that can be said for receiver, middle linebacker, uh mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I would say it's safer, but it's a, but it, but it's a more vulnerable position. Yeah, uh, and especially you know, people, you're kind of there to kind of just absorb whatever. Well, yeah, rather so, than get away from it.
0: And especially people who played the game like you did. I mean, you stood up fearless. You just threw the ball and then you take the hit. Um, that's another something I remember about you is you didn't care. You'd stay in that pocket. You'd stay in there and just get, just get clobbered.
1: Yeah, you know, and and, and that being said, I don't know if I would have played much different had I known the severity of concussions. But I, and and it's it's hard for me to say when I've played twenty years. Maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't. But I would have taken a a a long, hard look and say year twelve if I'd have known how severe. Just just from a standpoint of hey, I still got years left. I can play. Yeah, but. But all i would have all it would have taken to convince me was just to really have someone say Brett, at 50 you may not know who you are there's a or you may be so forgetful uh or you may even have long-term effects that because at the time junior say i was playing i would have never thought I, I mean that guy loved life yeah you know yeah You you could be like him. I may have taken a a harder look at at how long I played from that point uh, forward.
0: So here you are about halfway done, um, halfway in. How are you taking care of yourself now? You got morning routines, like what are you eating for breakfast? How are you taking care of yourself and seeing uh, at the top of your game at 50?
1: Yeah, I'm very active. I'm very thankful, and blessed.
0: What are, what are that, you doing? You riding the cycle, you running? what yeah. are you doing?
1: Yeah, I rode bike. I, I probably ride about 140 miles a week. Okay. Uh, some with a group, uh, some by myself. So, uh, like for example, this afternoon there would probably be five to ten of us. We do a 5:30 ride every every Tuesday.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: I rode 20 miles yesterday. Uh, low impact. I'm play, you, low impact. Good on the now hips. In saying that, the last three years I ran in a half marathon, uh, which I, I would have never in my wildest dreams thought I would run more than a mile. Yeah. Better yet, 13.1. How's the hip? Um, it's doable. <laughs> it has its, you know, I mean, I, I guess I'm, it's kind of a stupid mentality, but it's kind of like if I can do it. And, and endure the pain, and it's not all the time, then I'm going to do it. Yeah, you typical know? Brett
0: Favre. That's yeah. the Favre attitude right there.
1: Yeah, so I I do take good care of myself, but at times I, I still, you know, running's probably not the best thing to do, for really for anyone. The, 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 yeah. Just the impact over and over again yeah. is going to lead to some joint problems
0: so you you quit drinking a while ago what else did you kind of uh, take out of your diet to uh to make these adjustments because you know i I feel it too i'm getting older and i had to make some changes
1: well i had to stop eating gluten and i didn't i found out i was allergic to it oh Uh, you have
0: like celiacs or something
1: well it's not celiac i I, my last three years playing football when i would come home at the end of the the day I'd shower at the facility. I'd go home. My wife would usually have something ready. And I, I couldn't breathe. My nose, it wasn't like mm. I was congested. It was like somebody had stuck cotton balls up in my nose. And mm. I, I, I would itch. My my hair, and I thought like it was hard water. You know, I, I realized mm-hmm. what that was when I got to a place like Wisconsin or Minnesota. Okay. Where they had to have water softeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was that. And maybe a little bit was that, but my eyes would stay dry and itchy. My skin was itchy. My nose, I couldn't breathe.
0: Yeah. So you're having like an allergic reaction to the gluten.
1: Yes. And I was, I was gluten overload. I mean, I was trying to eat wheat because they said that was healthy. Right. uh, You know, so everything I was doing was, was making life miserable on me. Yeah. So I did a blood test. I found out, uh, I got an allergy to gluten, soy, dairy, and eggs. So, I have cut out regular milk now we drink all the milk mm-hmm. um, if if I eat eggs I eat organic eggs that seems to, to to be fine. I stay away from gluten if if i if I do eat something that has gluten in it I'll know I don't do it by choice i you know i'll, I'll my nose will stomp up and my ears now feel like they're filling up with fluid and I mean I'll feel like I'm underwater so <laughs> Cutting all that stuff out has helped. Don't get me wrong. I still like chocolate. Uh, I like pancakes, gluten-free pancakes, good Mm -hmm. gluten-free pancakes. I love them. Mm -hmm. But but overall, I do much better. If you were to say, Brett, give me some advice on a diet, I would tell you never deprive yourself of something you like. Just enjoy it in moderation Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be miserable. Uh, you know if you, it's like look, one day a week I'm going to eat a cheeseburger so be it
0: yeah yeah but then you're getting back on the road bike and you're getting back it's not like you're yeah, you're slacking off in the other areas you're, you know you look similar. at it
1: one cheeseburger may be the equivalent of running three miles yeah or a, a 30 minute bike ride yeah you, you can't have one without the other and that's kind of my motto
0: I mean we were just sitting back you know <laughs> chopping it up reminiscing about the good old days and all that, you know, tracking my roots, where I came from and where I'm going. But like I say, man, always said it. It's not
1: about the destination. It's all about the journey.